Hey, вы настроены на радио Тапки. С вами здесь Норм и Шейги. Hey, this is Curb, and even hot Russian chicks love to listen to Norm and Shaggy on Topcast. Hey, this is Oksana, you're listening to Topcast with Norm and Shaggy. You're listening to Topcast, this old pinball's online radio. For more information, visit them anytime, www.marvin3m.com slash Topcast. We're back for another fine edition of TopCast. Here with me today, I've got Eric A. filling in for Norm, who's missing in action, MIA. Say hello, Eric. Hello, Eric. There you go. And uh, Norm's back in rehab, or is it the psycho ward? I always kind of forget. But uh, he's missing in action today, so Eric is happy to fill in uh, as needed. Right, Eric? Amen, brother. Amen, brother. So... Anyways, we're, uh, we've got some uh, important stuff. We're going to talk about the Denver Pinball Show, which is actually in Golden, Colorado, and it's known as the Rocky Mountain what, pinball, pinball Showdown or some, something like that. But we've got some, uh, we've got some live, uh, live people that are going to call in and, uh, and tell us about the show today. So we got that, and we got our usual uh, sundry of stuff, our tech tips and Mort's back and a bunch of other stuff. Speaking of Mort. Mort? Cool. Yeah, you what do you like Mort? Yeah, he sounds like a relative of mine. It's almost scary. It is. Alright, well let's see. It's time for Mort's Weekend Update. The week's news in pinball. So we've got Mort's Week in Pinball News again. Mort, why don't you tell us about the week in pinball news? Tell us more about the Kalamazoo show I heard that you went to. This is Mort. Thank you for listening to me on this radio show on the TopCast because these fellows are so nice to let me come in here and talk to you and let you know about pinball. So now I want to tell you, I'm very, very upset because I went to play pinball at the zoo. I went to pinball at the zoo and there was no pinballs there. I went there, I saw some antelopes and some bears and some monkeys. But there was, no, there was nothing, there was no pinballs there. Why? I was in my hometown, Nebraska. There was no pinball. They advertised it's all wrong. It's a lie. It's a big lie. Why did they do Why did they? <sighs> Listen, more. I, I think you went to the wrong place. You went to the zoo. It's pinball at the zoo. Kalamazoo. Get it? Not actually at the zoo, but Kalamazoo. Oh. Well, that's entirely different then, isn't it? But why would they have a conference at the zoo anyway? I don't understand that at all. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, do the monkeys like to play the pinball? I haven't never seen monkeys play them, but did they, are they better than people? I mean, maybe people can't play as well as the monkeys can. You know, they say you put them in a room, they can write a big thing out. They can make a nice story. Maybe they can play pinball better. Do they have their own tournaments? Do they bring video games to the pinball show? Do they like video games better? Maybe the, maybe the monkeys are better video game players than pinball players. I don't know. And, you know, these monkeys can be very, very scary, you know, because they, they like to fling poo at each other. I don't like that at all. That's very scary to me. I saw that monkeys, they were doing that, and they were probably playing pinball at the same time while flinging poo all around. They were probably throwing at all those games nobody likes, you know, some of those games with very ugly artwork or games that don't play very well, maybe. Again, it's pinball at the zoo. doesn't mean it's actually at a zoo. It means it's at Kalamazoo. Get it? You understand now? All right? Oh, okay. 
Well, thanks for letting me talk today. It's been very fun again. And, and we'll be back to talk with you more. Thank you. Bye-bye. So long from Mort's Weekend Update. <clears throat> what do you think of Mort? Um, I think he's got a thing about poo flinging with monkeys <laughs> or something. I don't know, dude. You went to the Kalamazoo show. How yeah. was it? I liked it. Actually, uh, it was really cool because, like, Illinois Pinball was there this year. And, like, we really, really missed them because uh, they brought a bunch of stuff that was really cool to buy. And then... You know, but I got yelled at by other people by not going to their booth. Well, wait, did they bring Big Bang Bar? No, they no. didn't. No Big Bang Bars. No, but they had a whole bunch of playfields, fun houses, and centaurs, and eight ball deluxes, and kisses, and good stuff like that. Yeah, and um, what, you bought some playfields, right? Yeah, I got a, a fun house, a first, and their second. A fun house second. And, and what's the difference between a first and a second? Um, there was some color issues around, around the black circles. It's like the black didn't take almost. It kind of like was spotted around the black lines that go around the inserts. Was it really noticeable? Once somebody pointed them out, um, if you really looked hard at it, from playing standpoint, you probably wouldn't give a care. But if you're going to do all that work yourself, you probably would. All right, right, right. So you, were there a lot of games to play? Yeah, I thought. I mean, I thought there was. I think we need to get more pins there. But uh, yeah, the guy doesn't really push to get people to bring pins. The best I can see. Yeah, I was trying to kick people into you know where to get them to bring stuff this year. I, I mean, I, I you would have thought that you'd get like a mass me- email from all the guys in Michigan. Uh, you know, bring a pin to the zoo. You know, blah blah blah. But I, I never got that email. I mean, it's a new show, relatively new. I mean, it seems like it's coming along. Better and better every year. Last year it seemed like it went down, but this year it went up like a great deal. All right, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk to somebody else right now. Hold on, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do this segment. It's time for play of the week. Okay, so Trent's at the Rocky Mountain Pinball Festival out in Denver or Golden, Colorado, actually. Trent, why don't you tell us, give us the the report from the pinball show on what's going on there. Well, it's actually a pretty decent show. This is the first time I've ever been out here. Uh, there's lots of great uh, marketing things around. He's really good at making flyers and signs and all kinds of things. Like, so you know what's going on and what's happening. And How's the beer? The beer? I haven't had any beer yet, but there are a lot of breweries around. Yeah, Golden, Colorado. That's the home of Coors. Oh, well, yeah. We actually went on the uh, brewery tour yesterday. How was it? Um, it wasn't the best of the brewery tours I've been on, but it was okay. Did you get free beer? Uh, they did give us free beer. I didn't didn't drink everything that they gave us, but uh, it wasn't bad. Okay. So now, how's the pinball show? Uh, the pinball show is pretty good. Uh, a lot of games here. The uh, a lot of tournaments, a lot of vendors. It's actually a pretty decent show. Is it as good as the Texas show? I would say it's just as good as the Texas show. They're probably about equivalent. You know, same amount of tournaments probably for the, both of them. Um, you know, a lot of good, a lot of good '90s games, a lot of good '80s games. Not a lot of EMs here. Uh, Dean Cunningham's here for amusement only is here. Uh, a couple other smaller vendors. Pretty cool. Okay. What else? Anything else? Now, do you uh, you're competing in which tournament? Well, we've had a bunch of tournaments so far. We've had the EM tournament, which I didn't do so well in. We had the Draw Your Partner tournament, where Dean Grover and I ended up winning. And then we had another uh, Quick Draw tournament, uh, just head-to-head single elimination, and uh, Keith Elwin ended up winning that one. Now, but you're now, you're still, I, I checked the ratings, as of April, you were still ranked number two in the world. 
Um, right. Which one of the tournaments contributes towards your uh, adding points to your standing? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. That's a question for Josh. Uh, the Family Guy tournament, which is the main tournament, we're still qualifying for this morning, and then we'll have the finals at two uh, p.m. today. And how are you doing so far? Uh, as of last night, I was still on the board at fifth. They're taking the top sixteen qualifiers. And what number were you at? So I think I'm pretty good. Pretty what, good spot. What number on the board were you, Trent? Uh, as of the end of yesterday, I was number five. Number five. I'm sorry, I missed that. We went to. Uh, Lions had a really good tournament uh, Thursday night before the show, you, uh, which you, is a spectacular place. You yeah. had 30-some pinballs on location to play. All of them were in very good shape. They had 38 people, I think, show up for the tournament. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a blast. Mostly EMs? And, um, it, it was actually is, a small bar right next to it in Brewery. Lions is not that big, and there was a bunch of video games, old vintage video games in there. So it was a really, uh, really a lot of fun. What, are, are most of those games EMs at the Lions Classic? Uh, no. There were maybe four or five EMs, and the rest were 80s and solid-state stuff, uh, some DMD stuff. So what's, uh, what's our game of the week this year, or, or what's our uh, play of the I'm week? I'm going to go with uh, Card Whiz. Card Whiz. It, we played in the EM tournament yesterday. Yeah, that's a classic Gottlieb, car, Card Whiz. Yeah, it's a great game. Okay. Uh, one of the things, it's kind of a low-scoring game, and bonuses. Bonus is hard to accumulate because you got to knock down all those drop targets. Uh, so what I try to do is there's four different, three different colors. There's white, red, and green. And you can get them in two spots. There's three rollovers in the upper left-hand corner, and there's also three stand-ups around that you can collect those colors. I always go for the white one. You know, try to time your plunge and get that white one. What that does is it lights up the 3,000 shot on the left-hand side. So at that point, anytime the ball's on the right flipper, you can just shoot that left-hand shot for 3,000 and a, and a go second one you probably want to get is the green one, because the green one, if you get it, uh, it lights up a roll over. Once you roll over that, it'll open up the gate. So there's a little more work involved. That's why I go for the white one first. But once you get that green one, then you've got that gate open. Uh, the red one doesn't do too much. So generally, I just try to go for the white one and rack up those 2,000 points. And is that all there is to the game? Uh, basically, you know, you can accumulate the bonus by getting card hands. If you knock down all the drop targets, you'll get, you know, all five bonuses starting at, uh, like one pair for, I think, 1,000 all the way up to the Royal Flush for, for 5,000. And then, of course, on the last ball, all those are doubled. So, it's worth more going for the bonus on the last ball. And, and, um, so how did you do in that tournament? Uh, the EM tournament, I didn't do so well. I, uh, won my first two matches, lost my third to, uh, Mike Mahaffey on, uh, twin wins. Huh, okay. Now, what uh, what kind of competition are you up against there in uh, in Colorado? Uh, there's a lot of good guys here. Mike Mahaffey's here. Uh, Keith Elwin's here. The Denver guys are here. Donovan and Jeff Frank. Uh, a lot of other guys from Colorado that I've met that are fairly decent. Yeah, but I'm talking about if you look at the standings, Keith is way ahead. He's he's Keith, hundreds yeah, of points. Keith was ahead. here. Uh, Mike's here. Donovan's here. I'm here. Yeah, but the guy I'm talking about the guys like the second third, fourth, and fifth, you guys are, like, within five or ten points of each other. You, you well, know. Josh and Zach are not here. Supposedly, they're in Minnesota, uh, you know. What's in Minnesota? But, uh, and Fred is here. I don't know what Fred's right now, but he's here. Wait, wait, wait. What's in Minnesota? Is there a tournament there? Uh, well, supposedly, there's a May Day tournament this weekend. But does that apply, uh, count for points? I'm assuming it does, since Josh is going. Right, right. Okay, so they're gonna, you know, they'll pick up first there. Well, Paul's gonna be there too. So, you know, Paul's no pushover, and there's a couple other local guys that are actually pretty good too. Okay. 
All right. uh, John Ross is going to be there. You know, because I, I can't have anybody on the show that's less than a rank of number three. Oh, okay. You know, so you you know you gotta you gotta keep your standings up. You know, I mean, I, you, otherwise you just embarrass the show. Okay, well I'll win this one for you then. You you better damn well win it. I want first place. Okay. Okay. All right, Trent. That's Trent's play of the week. Hey, we appreciate it, Trent, with the with the report, the call in from uh, Golden, Colorado, with the Rocky Mountain Pinball Festival. That was our play of the week. And now it's time for everyone's favorite game, game of the of week. The week. All right, this week for Game of the Week, I'll direct you to the webcam. You can see we have a 1965 Chicago Coin Par Golf, which is kind of an unusual game. It, it looks like a pitch and back, but it's not really. It's got like a, you know, a golf theme. And actually, of all the golf-themed games, I, I actually kind of like this one a lot. I think it's really well done. You've got, you know, on, your, on, your, on the score... The point is to get as low a score as possible. And then on the scorecard, the object is to get as low a score as possible on the, uh, on the hole. Just like golf, which is kind of unlike a lot of other, other games where you're trying to get a higher score. And each one of the holes is parred. You know, you've got a, a certain par that you're trying to hit. So you actually first start out driving, you know, and then you move to putting. So here we are. We're going to start out as we're going to drive. And you can see that the drive side of the back glass is now lit up. Okay, so, you know, you're basically trying to hit as many yards as possible. And here's the actual game in play. It, it kind of like a standard pitch and bat. And then the targets across the back of the play field are, you know, dependent on each set of yards. So the, the single target in the middle is 250 yards. The targets on the two targets on the outside are 100 yards. Okay, then after you get to uh, the number of yards that's for that particular hole, then you putt. So you get one bat to putt, okay? And if you hit the center target, you only get one stroke for that putt, which is good. Or if you hit the outside, you could have, like, four strokes for, for your putting. And that all adds up for the, for the par, for, the, you know, how many strokes you get for the hole. But it's a pretty cool thing. It's not really what I call a mannequin game. It does have a little mannequin, but it's not really part of the game. He doesn't move. Now, the other cool thing is the hole-in-one. On the second hole, the fifth hole, and the eighth hole, you can get a hole-in-one. That is as if you hit the 250-yard target, a big old bell, six-inch bell goes off, giving you the hole-in-one. And it's, uh, it's, it's really cool because then, you, you know, it's, it's one stroke for the entire hole, but you only get that on the three low-yardage holes. So here we are just playing it some more. You can see it. It's actually kind of a fun game. It's, it's, it's a, a pitch and bat, kind of like a baseball, but it, it's just different. It's, it's something that I, I find that's kind of unique and, uh, and fun at the same time. It's, it's really quite enjoyable. That's a really cool game, by the way. Yeah, I, thought, I think it was really uniquely done. We've got Lawrence on the Lawrence, you on the line? Can you hear me, Lawrence? Good afternoon. We're talking live out from the Jefferson County Fairgrounds at the... Rocky Mountain Pinball Showdown. Cool. And I've got Dan Nicholas here. He's one of the founders of the uh, event. This is their fourth year, and this event's been running out here since uh, Friday through Sunday. So it's a real good turnout. I just wanted to ask Dan a couple questions about the show. Yeah, do it. Uh, it, it, it now, is it uh, the Rocky Mountain Sh Pinball Showdown? Is that the official name? Yep, the Rocky Mountain Pinball Showdown. Okay, good. Good. And you guys have done this in your fourth year. Where's it held at? It's uh, held in Golden, Colorado. 
it's a suburb of Denver, Colorado, the Jeffco Fairgrounds. Okay, how now like how many square feet do they have there for you guys? We this year we have about seventy five hundred square feet. That's pretty sizable. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay, well tell me about the show. Uh, well we for three days we have a big tournament going on right now. Uh, we just started the finals. A lot of big players here have a lot of top ten players out here competing. Uh, over a hundred games and some pin chats by some pretty uh, big pinball people. Yeah, great. Uh, we had some really good ch uh, chats this weekend. Uh, they had they had a chat on building custom pinball. They had one of the cabin fever pinball machines. They had a lecture on Valley Williams board repair. Uh, Gene Cunningham was here with Illinois Pinball, and he did a lecture on producing the Big Bang Big Bang Bar. Excuse me. Uh, there was a lecture on electromechanical restoration, and also today they did a, a pin chat on shopping out your pinball, pin shopping well one. Is uh, did Gene bring a Big Bang Bar with him by chance? No, he did not. There, there was no Big Bang Bar at our show this year. Okay, uh, you know, I was, he didn't bring one to Kalamazoo either. I was kind of hoping he would, you know, to kind of yeah. increase the interest in the game. Yeah, there were definitely a, a lot of people that like would have liked to see in a Big Bang bar. Did he? Did um, he give any sort of release date? Uh, he was telling me when we spoke a little bit earlier. He was thinking sometime next month. He wanted to have them done and released. Okay. Okay. So, were any other uh, interesting happenings at the show? Uh, we have a couple other rare games. Uh, we we have a Jolly Park that just came in from Spain a couple days ago. Okay. Up and running. That was the company named Spin... Uh, Spinball. Spinball, yes. Right, right. And how is that game? It's pretty good. I've only got a one game on it, so I don't get to play much being, uh, you know, running the place. Right, right. They right. keep Dan running ragged here, but there's a lot of stuff going on. They also had a raffle uh, for the Children's Hospital of Denver. They gave a lot of interesting prizes away for... Uh, uh, pinball enthusiasts. What were some of the, the highlights of that raffle? Uh, we gave away a ton of stern trans lights. Uh, Steve Ritchie signed some stuff for us. Uh, we had some big, you know, $275 parties at a, some old local arcades here, Jillian's. Uh, we had a lot of stuff going on. Hmm. Now, how far is the Lions Classic from uh, you guys? Lions is probably about a little less than an hour. They're about 50 minutes away from us. Lions is also one of the exhibitors here. There's about a dozen different exhibitors at the show. Okay. Who are, now, who are, what other exhibitors came? Uh, we have Universal Sales, a, a local company. The Coin Drops here, another local company. Uh, Illinois Pinball is here. For Amusement Only is here. Uh, Action Pinball is here. Uh, Lions Classic Pinball is here. Uh, I'm trying to think of so don't forget you even had a uh, lady there just selling marionettes, so it was kind of a little bit of everything today. Yeah, hmm. we did. Hmm. Now, where do you hold the seminars at? Uh, we have a conference in the Fairgrounds has a conference room, and we, we run them there, too. Okay, okay, good. So it's segregated from the actual show floor. Yeah, yeah, you would never be able to hear anything. <laughs> you right. have to do the seminar in a shout with a megaphone, because we're actually outside the pinball, and you can probably still hear... Um, all kinds of uh, sound from the, the tournament going on right now. Yeah, you see, like, Allentown used to have seminars, and they would have it, you know, just kind of like in the back of the show, and, it, it, man, it did not work. You were literally, like, yelling. 
you know, for anybody. Yeah, we to hear tried you. that our first year and uh, figured out that doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work at all. It doesn't work at all. So it, that's good. I'm glad you guys got that segregated off and you got that all figured out. Uh, you know, that's a good thing because you know, if you can't hear the guy, what's the point? You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it sounds uh, like Dan, a good I show. That the uh, tournament machine for this show was the uh, the, the new Stern uh, Family Guy pinball machine. How well has that one been received at the show? It's definitely a difficult machine. We, we've got scores that have been kept down pretty well. We have some really good players here, and they've been having a tough time at it. But yeah. it's playing real well. Uh, it's held up. They've been holding up real well. Yeah, so Trent, we I had really Trent call in. We had Poker Tour last year. It's definitely much better. Yeah, we had Trent Augustine call in, and he uh, he gave us our play of the week, and, he, and he's at your show competing in the tournament. And uh, he's saying that it was a really good show. It's the first time I guess he's been, you know, been there. So he said it was really good. So well, he, thanks. Yeah, he's quite. He was quite happy with it. Good, good show report. One of the uh, one of the other specialties of this show is they have uh, uh, all the different pinballs on free play with uh, numbers on them, and they they, they uh, frequently get a pinball nominated for best of show. Uh, have they had those nominations turned in yet? What the what the most popular pin was for the show? Yeah, uh, Dean Grover, uh, who's a former Williams employee, uh, had a safe cracker here. It's always a crowd favorite. So Dean's uh, safe cracker won best of show this year. Hmm. Okay. Now, what is what qualifies for best of show? Is it like best restored or just most fun to play that type of thing? Uh, best of show is kind of it, it's voted on by people that come to the show. We we have ballots and we accept ballots for people to vote on them. We have most unique, we have best 80s, best top matrix, all different type, types of categories. And um, the best to show is kind of like the, you know, the 2007 best car of the year award. Best pinball at the show award. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, what is there anything else uh, you guys want to add? What would you say is the uh, most rare pinball machine you had here for the show? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, we have a few that are fairly rare but i'm not sure what we well like the first time uh first time for for, for this show any any particular pinball machines that have never been here before oh uh, we had a couple of old wood rails from united like uh yuma arizona we had a, f a few other oldies you know we had a uh, melody roll we have a history pinball exhibit there's a rockola jigsaw there's a rockola grand slam i think it's grand slam i'm not positive at world fair sorry World, World Series. World Series. I get it right eventually. Yeah, the 1934. Anyway, so we had a few right. of those. Okay, and and what is the what's the history of pinball thing? How's that work? How's that? Uh, we we have an exhibit where we put pinballs on display where people would never probably see them, just to kind of show. And we have a history of them and sh let people look at them. And we also have some that we demonstrate. Lions and uh, pinball showdown get together. We put out some of our older machines and let the public see stuff that they would never normally see. We're talking like the really old ones, like the baffle balls and some of the other units like that. You mean like the 30s stuff? Yep. 30s, 40s, there's a Humpty Dumpty, uh, 30s, 40s, early 50s. Right. Cool. Cool. All right, guys. Man, it sounds good. I appreciate the call. Great. Thanks. We're going to head back to the tournament and see how Trent does. All right. Yeah, we're, we're, we're rooting for Trent. Okay. All right. All right. Well, this is Amigo. I'd sign it off from here. Thanks a lot for letting us call in. Thanks, thanks, Lawrence. I really appreciate it. Happy to do it. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. 
Well, it sounds like a good show. You know, it's it's you know, it's it's nice to have that. And now it's time for Tech Tip, tech tip of, the of, week. of the Week. All right, Eric, what uh, what tech tip do you have for us this week? You got anything good? I'll 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 lay one down. Okay. That I that I did this week that I thought was kind of interesting, and then while I'm doing that, you can you can be thinking about it. So this guy calls me with a getaway that he bought off eBay, and um, the display didn't work, and so I I went out to his house and, and took a look at the game, and the game was reasonable condition, and sure enough, the display didn't work, and I checked the voltages, and the negative voltages for the display, you know, you're supposed to have positive 68 volts, negative 112, and negative 100. Right. And those two negative voltages need to be 12 volts apart. Well, both of the negative voltages were minus 112. So there's like a 12-volt Xenier diode on the dot matrix controller board. If that goes bad, you know, you get those two voltages the same. So I take the board out, and I test that, that diode, and it's good. And I'm thinking, well, you know, sometimes you get parts that, you know, you test them with the diode testing on your digital multimeter, and, and sometimes they test good, but maybe they're really not. So I pull one leg out to test it out of circuit this time, and it still tests the same. So I figure, you know, I got the thing half out, and I got the diode with me. Might as well put it in. So I put the diode in. I figure for good measure, too, there's a, what, an MJE15030 right. in there, too. I figure, ah, what the heck, I'll put a new one of those in, too. And I also check all the resistors because there's a lot of the, the, the resistors can either go open or, or go out of spec, and those were all okay. So I, I do that. I put those two new parts in. Um, I check all the resistors, make sure they're good, make sure there's no burnt traces on the board. You know, I just generally check everything, and everything seems fine. Put it back in, and I still have both negative voltages exactly the same, both at a minus 112. So what do you think the problem was, Eric? Well, I'm thinking one of two things. If there was a cap in the circuit that had shorted. Yeah, there was a cap. There's a, like a 500-volt, you know, 0.1 microfarad, but it wasn't the cap. Okay. Bridged uh, pins where somebody reflowed them, maybe bridged those two pins together? No. Now, here, you know what, it was really odd. So this really taught me an interesting lesson. So I figured, you know, I'm going to check the voltage with the display disconnected because the whole time I've been checking the voltage with the dot matrix display actually hooked up. So this time I I unhook it and I measure the voltages and they're all correct. So there was something on the actual dot matrix board, you know, the, the, the display panel itself, that was a problem. So uh, you look at you look at these things, and they're kind of this one was a cherry. So on the back of it, there's a bunch of surface mount crap, and there's a few discrete components, but not a lot. But there, right by the connector, is a little diode, a little diode. And I knew it was a diode. I put my meter on it, and sure enough, it was open. You know, I, I in diode test multimeter, I got like point zero zero one on the diode. Open and shorted. Open. Oh. Or, or no, short it. You're okay. right. My bad. Short it. It was shorted. So it's just passing straight through. It's acting like a, a jumper. Right. Right. So I, you know, pull that thing out. It's a 15-volt Xenier diode. and I didn't have the schematic, but I could actually read the part right on the diode. And I put a new one in, and I turn the game on, check the voltages. Now they're all good. I got good voltages. Flip the thing over, take a look at it, and it works, but it is just scrambled. It's scrambled to all hell. It just looks like mush. On it. So what happened is, is the the diode, you know, shorted and passed the voltage through 
and mine blew out one of the surface mount chips. So I ended up just, you know, giving the guy a new dot matrix display, you know, the actual glass in the panel. And, you know, that was... You didn't was change the out the the rope <laughs> surface mount chip, the 128-pin chip on there, whatever it is? No, no, I didn't do that. Sitting on the guy's uh, floor. I'm sitting on his basement floor, you know, with, like, minimal light, you know, trying to do all this stuff. No, I, I didn't feel it was... Oh, that's when you that. bring the display home and replace it with that $2 chip, and you got a brand-new working display now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, $2 chip that takes 100 hours to install. Yeah, yeah, because they're not socketed. So, anyways, that's my uh, tech tip of the week. I thought that was kind of a weird one. What do you got for me? I got a display problem, too. I'm working on a game yesterday with a buddy came up from down south, or uh, Columbus, and my operator buddy calls me up. He goes, listen, he goes, I got a display that went out. It was working fine in the shop. Now it's not working. So I says, okay, check your voltages on the display. So after trying to teach him how to put his meter on DC and AC and all that, he goes ahead and checks it, and he doesn't have his minus voltages, neither one. So I says, okay, your power supply is bad, your controller. So he goes ahead and checks the output there to make sure that we weren't getting anything drawn down or it was actually being generated there and just not getting to the display. And it turns out that he wasn't getting an output voltage. Then I say, okay, check your AC input. And he goes over there, he goes, I've got nothing. I go, what do you mean you got nothing? you got, you got to have something. And what game was this? This was a... Dot matrix shadow. Okay, so were you having them check the... On the display controller board. Okay. It was actually no AC input at the dot matrix controller board. And I had him take his meter and double check and triple check, make sure he was on the yeah, right pins. Yeah, people have the hardest time measuring AC voltages because they try and use ground as the reference. Right. And which, of course, you can't do. You can't. Right. And, he, and, I'm, and I'm telling him, dude, you've got to be checking this wrong. Your, your transformer can't be bad. It's just... One set of windings on that transformer. So what was it? There's a connector between the transformer and that dot matrix controller board. It's a Molex two-pin connector. All it is is those two wires for the high voltage on the negative side. Actually, one of the negative voltages was there, but the other one wasn't. Okay. And for that one set of voltages, it comes from the secondary on the transformer. He lifts up the play field, looks at the connector, and he started cussing and saying it's unplugged. Oh, so he man. plugged it in, and the display came right up bright and nice. new. Nice. Great. Yeah, that was a good one. Tech tip of the week. All right, Eric, man. I'm long-winded, ain't I? No, that was good. All right, let's listen to Curb. Curb's got some tech tips for us here. Well, I figure mine was easy. And now, TopCast is happy to present I Survived System 80. Presented by the man with all the answers, Curb. Hello everyone, it's Curb with a quick System 80 tech tip. This tip has to do with the lower playfield lamps on multi-level games such as Haunted House and Black Hole. A single relay is used to turn power onto the lower playfield, and in some cases turn power off to the upper. In Haunted House this would be the U-relay. This relay turns on the lower playfield lighting for a cool effect, but many people often put number 44 bulbs in these bayonet sockets, not knowing they are really 24 volt lamps. The proper bulb to use is a number 313 lamp, which is shown on the playfield solenoid and illumination schematic. 
Don't forget to check out the System 80 repair guides and the great System 80 This Old Pinball DVDs at Marvin3M.com. Shoot Shaggy an email if you have a System 80 tech tip you want us to cover. I don't know how many times I've seen that before, like a million. I don't know how many times I've seen that where, where, they, where they put number 47s in and they just blow like instantly. It's like this bright flash of light. <laughs> but they work for a second. Yeah, for or half. For a second. For a second. Just when you thought it was safe to go back into the arcade. It's not. Hi, people. It's the Corn, and welcome to this week's version of the Conundrum. Here's how the game works. I give ten clues about a game's identity. That's up to the listeners, that's you, to call in and guess what game it is. Pretty simple, right? If nobody gets it, I keep giving more and more clues until someone nails it. What is this week's prize, Shaggy? Well, we've got the standard assortment of DVDs uh, and uh, Cliffy protectors and, and Eric's little All sister. All right, let's play. <laughs> Clue number one. This is an alphanumeric Gottlieb System 3. System 3, Gottlieb. Black hole. Clue number two. It was designed by John Norris. John Norris, got it. Clue number three. There were 2,000 produced, which, considering the manufacturer and the year, that's pretty big numbers. Clue number four. Artwork is by David Moore and Constantino Mitchell. And clue number five. You know what's coming. Here's a whole bunch of sounds from this game in no particular order. Black hole. Think you know what it is? Black I'd hole. Call in. Shaggy, give him the phone number just in case they forgot. 1-800. Now, um, give us a call. We're going to run an ad right now, and uh, we're going to be waiting for some call. 1-800. Does that have Game Journal is a proud sponsor of TopCast. It covers pinball like no other publication can. The Pin Game Journal is America's only pinball publication. Whether you're looking for new games or the classics, reports on industry shows or collector expos, insights on a game you want or features to help you fix the game you've got, Pin Game Journal is for you. Their website is at pingamejournal.com. Hey George, I just had to call and tell you about this really great magazine I got. It's called the Pin Game Journal, and it's the only magazine dedicated totally to pinball. It's got great articles and interviews with designers and everything. No George, I won't loan you my copy. Who knows where you'll take it to. You're going to have to go to PinGameJournal.com and get your own subscription. But George, the guy says that each issue will get mailed whenever he feels like it. What's the deal with that? All right, George, I got to go. Got to call Elaine and tell her. I can't believe how good this magazine is. All right, we got a call around the line. Somebody called in. And uh, you got a you got a guess? You think you know what game it is? Yeah, I'm thinking Surfing Safari. Well, surfing Safari? You sure you don't want to say Black Hole? Um, nah. Okay. Excellent! You are correct. It is... Surfing Safari. It is Surfing Safari. Man, so what's your first name? Uh, John. John, where are you calling from? Um, Audubon, New Jersey. 
Okay, John, so of the assorted junk that we have to give away, which would include the Cliffy protectors for various games, we've got some top DVDs, and we've got the System 11, the System 11 Music Showcase. Anything that, uh, anything that you'd want? Um, I haven't got the new top DVD yet. Sure, send me an email uh, with, your, uh, with your address and uh, say that you want top eight. And uh, uh, shaggy at marvin3m.com. And uh, we'll get that sent right out to you. Okay, cool. All right, well, thank you. Thanks, Claire. All right, bye. Bye. Man, I know we're going to have to, I almost feel bad that, you know, we don't, ha- we don't play the rest of his clues. But I'm going to play them. Clue number six. In an apparent bid to seem more relevant to the hip youngsters of the day, this game features an alligator wearing sunglasses on both the playfield and the back glass artwork. I think it's also on the cabinet, too. Black hole. (laughs) Clue number seven. If you take a quick look at this cabinet, you might mistake this game for Congo. It's not. Clue number eight. This game has a grid of lights in the playfield that's used for countdown timers, among other things. Clue number nine. This game has a whirlpool or spin-out toy on the playfield. Creature. And the last clue, the predominant playfield color is blue, while the predominant cabinet color is black. Think you know what it is? Then call in. Shaggy, give them the phone number just in case they've forgotten. All right, well, that was uh, the the famed Corn's Conundrum for this week. Here's his answer. answer. This week's conundrum, Surf and Safari by Gottlieb. Until next week, this is the Corn signing off, hoping you had fun playing Corn's Conundrum. That's pretty good. You know, these the people that that listen must be pretty smart because I'm not sure I would have gotten that. Eric, you kept saying black hole because you like saying black hole. Yeah. I think you just think the it, it sounds good rolling off your tongue. But um, I mean, did you have any clue really what it was? Actually, I was thinking Cactus Jack, but yeah. that's not a System Three, is it? Yeah, it is actually. Oh, okay. it is a System See, I'm Three. Smarter one than of, I think. Yeah, it's a good game too, Cactus Jack. It actually is a good game. Anyways, now if you want to call in with some tech questions. The number is 1-800. Call in with any questions, opinions, statements. Or, oh, know. yeah, by the way, I just like making a disclaimer. I do not smoke too much drugs and do drugs and stuff like that because everybody asked about that. Yeah, and the reason why everybody asked that is because Eric is uh, selling a game. Well, I'm not even going to say which one, but he, <laughs> he thinks it's worth a million dollars when it clearly isn't. And, and it's, it's, you know, he paid like pennies on the dollar for it. Somebody, and now he thinks he wants to ride this thing all the way down retirement lane. Somebody called me and asked me if I was on drugs. And I was, no, I was not on drugs. I was hoping somebody else was, but no, definitely not on drugs. <sighs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. It sure, uh, it sure seemed like it, you know. I mean, really, really sure seemed like it. Anyways, we got some, uh, if you go to our website, themarvin3m.com slash topcast, um, you can, uh, you can send us tech questions through the email. And we get a, we get a number of them now and then. And we've got a, uh, we've got one from a guy that's, uh, in System 80 Hell. He has a Gottlieb Spider-Man. It says here, question. Good day. So maybe this guy's from Australia. Mate. Yeah. Good day, mate. Love the show. Recently purchased a dead Spider-Man. The power supply, MPU, and driver board were sent out for repair and the ground mods completed. Now the machine runs and plays fine, but I've got no sound. 
I've checked the speakers in another System 80 game, and those check out fine. When I crank up the volume pot, I'm getting no hiss. So he's getting nothing out of the soundboard. Well, remember, the soundboard is its own computer, um, and it has an amplifier right on it. And if you're, the amplifier isn't running, um, you'll get this no hum. You should get some sort of hum or static. Um, and I would check the power going into the soundboard, of course, first. And um, if you have, you know, the appropriate voltages, as seen on the schematics, uh, the next thing I would do is uh, check the amplifier. Sometimes the amplifiers get a little hot on there, and, uh, you know, they can actually desolder themselves from the board um, or, you know, maybe a leg or that. You got anything you want to throw in there, Eric? Um, I don't know. I, like, want to grab a logic probe and see if it's actually running the CPU. Yeah, he wants to check the clock signal, uh, the reset line to make sure that it's, it's not held low. Um, and also the address and data lines to make sure that they're dancing. That would indicate that it's actually running, running some program. Um, yeah, those are so cheap. I love them. What? Everybody should have a logic probe. Yeah, a good 20 bucks, and, 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 you know, that's all there is to it. Here's one from another guy. Um, his name is Mark. He's in Crystal Lake, Illinois. He's got a Dirty Harry. It says here, every once in a while, uh, the ball just drops out of the gun. Uh, the machine is, is tilted as far to the rear as possible. Legs can't go anymore. It doesn't happen every time, but I notice that most of the time when playing, the lights go out, normal for some of the modes, and the ball comes down the ramp, enters the gun, and then just dribbles out. You can continue the game if the ball doesn't exit the playing surface, and uh, you can use the flippers to get the ball back and hit something up. Um, any ideas on how to fix this? I don't know. Have you ever? Heard, I, I've seen that happen once or twice on a Dirty Harry. I'm not real familiar with the game. Yeah, I, I I've seen that happen now and then, but not a lot. I think I would check the home position for the gun. Um, if the gun, if the home position is is leaning too far, is pointing too far towards the player, uh, you might have this problem with this roll. Um, also, there might be a way to adjust actually just the angle of the gun. Too, I would I would check into that, but th- those are the only two suggestions I can really I can really offer. Now is that something similar to like uh, the one gun on trilogy Star Wars trilogy? Yeah, or? it's like that, like trilogy and kind of like like that Batman Forever. And yeah, Batman Forever and, and Terminator Two. They all have kind of a similar. Uh, now similar you got a home thing. switch. You've got a clear switch. In addition, you should have two switches on there, and I guess make sure both of them are working, and make sure that physically. There's set screws underneath. Neither one of those are loose. You know, there's probably a couple down there. Okay. Know. Here's another one we got through email. Uh, this guy's name is Jeff. He's from Argura Hills, California, and he's got some Bally games. Uh, he doesn't say what era they are, and he doesn't say what game. He says model, any. But anyways, he says, I've just started with my first machine, and I'd like to know some basic maintenance. For example, what's the best way and how often to clean the play field Flipper adjustment, how to change, how often to change the battery, what's the best wax, how to fix drop targets, and just basic repairs. All right, you want to start? You start, Eric. All right. Um, myself, a good rule of thumb I like to think is every year on your birthday you change your batteries. Now, for those of us that have a lot, that could get pretty expensive, so maybe every couple of years. You that have a lot of birthdays or a lot of games? A lot of games. Oh, sorry. Um the wax question really jumped out at me because there's one wax that I swear by, and it's Mother's Pure Carnuba. It's probably about 20 bucks a tin, though, 
It's kind of expensive, but it's the hardest, you know, purest wax I've ever found. Everything else is soft. It's got solvents and whatnot in it. I just love this stuff. It doesn't give you that super-duper glossy shine, but I know it's really giving you protection. All right, here's here's my tip. First off, I would clean the play field with Novus too. Stay away from mill wax. I know that some guys like to suggest mill wax. That stuff just smells bad. It makes my skin crawl, too. I find Novus 2 to be much more inert on my person, on my constitution, as it may be. Okay, the next thing I would suggest is after you clean the play field, I would re-rubber the sucker. If you got a new game, I would re-rubber it, okay? Now, so you got a clean play field, and you got new rubber on it. And, and use white rubber. Don't ever use black rubber, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But use white rubber, and for the flipper rubbers, always use red rubber. And, again, there's a reason for this. Okay, for one, the durometer rating of white rubber is, is less than, say, black rubber. So that means it's softer, you get better bounce, game plays better. Same thing with the, uh, with the flipper bat rubber. The red is a softer durometer rating. It, feel, it just feels better. The game just plays better with red rubber compared to black uh, flipper rubbers. But that isn't really the main reason why I suggest white rubber. The reason why I suggest white rubber is it gives you an indication of how long it's been between cleanings. So what I do is I don't really count the games or count the time. I just look at the rubber on a game. When the flipper bat, the red flipper bat rubber or the slingshot rubbers start to get black marks on them, you know, and start to get a few black marks on them, I, I wake out, whip out a paper towel and some lighter fluid. And I buy lighter fluid at, at the party store, you know, for the Zippo lighters. Just one of those little cans. It's like a buck and a half. And I just spray some of the, or not spray, uh, pour some of that onto the paper towel. And then that will wipe off all the uh, black marks right off the rubber. So, and make the rubber nice and clean. And while I'm doing that at the same time, when I get all done, I get out my Novus 2. And I Novus 2 the play field. So, I use the game. I let the game tell me when it needs clean. When I start seeing the black marks and, they, and if they, and you know, you can use that trip. You don't have to take the rubber off the game. You know, you just wipe the areas, you know, that if, assuming you did a good clean the first time. You use lighter fluid? Lighter fluid. Also oh, I, naphtha, right? Yeah, also known as naphtha. Cool. The store. Yeah, this is, we're talking Eric A., who used lighter fluid to burn a high, what was it, a high speed play field? Yeah. What did you use? Started it on fire? Why don't you tell us that story? You guys never heard the story? Okay. I, I, I never heard okay. it directly. All right, the, the You're full, all in for the a full good story lab. is, yeah, this is good. I, I re-imported this high speed, and it was beautiful. I mean, really nice day one Mylar. So I pull the Mylar up with this hot air gun, and the Mylar comes up, and the colors are, like, gorgeous. I'm, like, so excited. And so I tried to take the glue off with, like, the glue gone and the goof off, and it's just not budging. So I move on to, like, VMP naphtha, and that's, you know, starting a little bit. So I take... A hot air gun try to soften up the glue that way and it starts working but it's not working fast enough so i soak it in the naphtha and the paper towels and really let it get in there and then hit it with the hot air gun and it starts coming up and you know it's a lot better than what it was but just not really coming up as fast as i want so i move on to a propane torch don't ask me why <laughs> To this day, I wasn't. Obviously, it was so like wait, you, you heated up the playfield with a propane torch after you doused the thing in lighter fluid. Well, actually, it was paper towel soaked in the naphtha. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> so you got paper towel soaked in lighter fluid, acting like a wick, which is yeah. even worse. So 
What did you think? You, okay, let's forget the lighter fluid for a minute. Let's just think that you had paper towels there. What did you think that that like the propane I, torch was going to do? I was moving towels? the torch really for towel paper. Paper. I was it moving burns. the torch really quick. Now this is something that I didn't tell group. So anybody that wants to download it, you're going to hear the full rest of the story. Okay. I went at it the first time and didn't catch it on fire, and I looked underneath the paper towels and i'm wiping up the glue and it's coming off like a dream couldn't believe how good and i thought to myself you know i could have caught that thing on fire well i went back a second time because it was coming up so easy and i did catch it on fire that time and you destroyed this play field it went up like a wick and i go running upstairs trying to find a fire extinguisher i'm freaking out right so I'm looking, campfire, fire extinguisher. I go running back downstairs, and now the flames are like four feet high. The gog's at the top of the stairs looking down at me like, what the heck is going on? I'm freaking out. So the only thing there is this bucket of water that I wiped the cabinet down with. I douse it. Now the oil from the goof-off and the goo-gone and the naphtha, and I mean, literally, I, like, douse this thing and the flames start rolling down into the coin tray so i got this flaming slick of nastiness i'm trying to blow out the water that's dripping out of the bottom of the cabinet you know there's this ball of fire in the coin box finally got it out went cried myself to sleep that night you destroyed this play field too i mean it was like wasted oh dude i had i took it to kalamazoo like three years ago, and had a price tag on it of $3,200 as a joke. Now, this is, I'm going to be slapped probably or comments, but blondes really get that name for a reason because this blonde lady kept looking at the play field, walking away, came back, walked away, came back, and she looks at me. She goes, I just got to know, why is that play field so expensive? <laughs> you should have asked her for her phone number. Yeah. You should have done. Could have probably. I yeah. think she was married, though. Who cares? God. You know? Well, anyways, you obviously don't want to do that. Uh, let's see. what. How it's often do you change thing. the batteries? Okay. The first thing, always use a remote battery holder. Okay? I, I can't stress that enough. Your battery holder has to be remotely mounted. Um, if your batteries are remotely mounted off the CPU board, how often you change your batteries is less important. I'm not saying that you should forget about it, but all I'm saying is, is if you forget, at worst, you're going to waste a $5 battery holder. So it's kind of like a security blanket. If you don't remember on your birthday, as Eric was saying, to change your batteries and they leak, you're not going to wreck the board if you got to mount it remotely. So even if they're double A's, still mount them remotely. Um, let's see. How to fix drop targets. Boy, that's a show all by itself. Uh, other basic, uh, let's see, flipper adjustments. That's kind of hard to describe in, uh, you know, on the quote radio. Um, I would recommend a, a top video for something like that if you need to see how that's done. Um, there's a lot of tricks to doing flipper adjustments and flipper rebuilds. Uh, it's just this probably isn't the right format for Boy, that. Boy, if that ain't pushing the product, I don't know what is. Somebody's got it. <laughs> it's a dirty job. It's a dirty job. But anyways, I hope that I hope that helps them out. Um, let's see. All right, here you read this one, Eric. Uh oh. Okay, hi guys. I was wondering, uh, sh- should I tell where it's from? Yeah, you should give the guy's first name and his location. Mark uh, from Wakefield, West Yorkshire, United Kingdom. Wow, we got people all the way over there. 
Yeah, across the big pond. And what machine is it for? It's for Twilight Zone. Valley Twilight Zone. All right, read it. I was wondering if you could help me with a little diagnostics problem on a Twilight Zone machine. The machine's been in fine working order for many years now since I'm restoring it. However, it has recently developed a problem with the small upper left play field. That's the one with the magnet thingy, right? Yeah. The electromagnets under this small play field, which normally flip the ball instead of flippers, when the feature is active, do not operate during normal gameplay anymore. If you test the electromagnets and switches using the WPC diagnostics, they all seem to work perfectly. Any ideas? Regards, Mark. I know this one. You do? Go. Yeah. Isn't there an opto at the top of the play field? Yes. And that opto, when it's broken, will not turn those magnets on. Right. That's exactly it. Yep. And I actually knew something. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there might be another switch too. I can't remember if there's another a mechanical switch, but um, yeah, yeah. That's that's it for sure. Okay. Hold on a second. Hello. You're on Topcast. Hey. How's it going? Good. This is Mark, and uh, I got a Stern Stars that I'm just starting. Stern Stars. That's that from what? 1980, right? 78. 78. Okay. 78. All right. And uh, and it's dead. Nothing happens. I know the systematic approach for EMs. What is the systematic approach for an early stern solid state? It's an MPU 100. Okay. First thing I do, uh, as you staring at all the boards in the back box, I remove the lower left connector from the CPU board before I ever turn it on. And what that connector is, is it's the power to the CPU board. Okay. Um, the next thing I do is I check all the fuses. You all right? Yep. Okay. Check all the fuses. I, I actually take them out and put them on my digital multimeter set to continuity and make sure they buzz out. Okay. Okay. Now I flip the thing on. All right? Now, you won't, nothing will start up because we don't have power going to the CPU, but I can check the voltages on the solenoid driver board. So the first thing I do is I check in the upper right-hand corner of the solenoid driver board, there's a couple um, test points. And I think there's three. There's one for 12 volts DC, and then there's two for 5 volts. Now, the first thing I do is I check the 12-volt one and make sure that it's at least 12. It'll be somewhere between 12 and 14 volts DC. Okay. Then the next thing I do is I check the two below, which are like the 5-volt ones, and they should match. They should or be within very, very close of each other. Okay. Okay. Why are you smiling? Eric's smiling. No, I'm just... Okay. Now, in a, in a quick thing, if they're not the same, that means that connector that's right by the test points has got an issue, and you might have to do some repinning. But in the um, there's actually a modifi- modification you can do where you jump those two 5-volt ones together, and it takes some of the stress off that connector. Okay, now the next thing I do is I check the high-voltage voltage. There's like um, in the upper left-hand corner of the solenoid driver board is the voltage that's... that's um, uh, made for the score displays. Now it's normally 180 or 190 volts, and there's a little pot there that'll allow you to adjust it. And there's two test points there: one with the raw voltage coming in, the raw DC voltage, okay. which is about 240 volts DC, and then the other one is the adjustable one. And I always adjust that down to about 170 or 175 volts DC. Now, if the two voltages on both those test points are the same. That means the high voltage section is smoked, and you'll have to rebuild that. Or the pot is bad. Sometimes if the pot's bad, you, you, you'll, you won't be able to, it'll be high voltage. Eric? Now, was there a reason that, well, I know the answer to this, but you know that Bally designed that system specifically, 
like that? So yes. when the high voltage section fails? Yeah, when the high voltage, yes, they designed it so that when the high voltage section fails, it blows um, open instead of shorted. And that way it passes the full voltage through, thinking that the operators would see that the displays are getting 240 volts instead of a 175, and they would fix the circuit, which, of course, they never did, which <laughs> means you get a ton of score displays that have the, that burn around the, the segments. Okay, so anyways, assuming that you've gotten through all that and all your voltages are good, I turn the game off, I plug that connector in on the CPU board, and I turn it back on, and I hope to see that LED on the MPU board flashing. Okay. okay? Now, um, if, if it's just locked on, there's all another list of things we got to do. You, you know, basically you've got to fix the MPU board or, or buy one of those Alltech replacement ones. Okay. Um, but there's a whole systematic approach to that, and that's probably outside the scope of this program. Um, you know, that's uh, fixing a, an MPU board. There could be a million things wrong. Of course, you've got to check for battery corrosion. If the original battery is mounted on the bottom edge of that MPU board, I always just cut that off and throw it away. Somebody hung another one on there. Okay. Well, but it's not a, a battery pack where you can replace it. Right. But is, it, uh, is, there, any, um, is there any corrosion on the board? Not the board. No. Well, good, good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good because now the next thing you do. Do you know? Does a, do you get any flash sequence out of the board? Nope. It just the light just stays on. Okay. Then the then the first thing I do is I check for on pin was it pin thirty nine of or forty pin forty or thirty nine I can't remember offhand of the U um, nine chip which is the sixty eight hundred. That's the reset line, and you want to make sure that that's five volts. Okay. If it's not 5 volts, that means that the reset section on the MPU board has failed. And you can go to the repair guide at marvin3m.com slash bally, and it'll, it'll tell you how to rebuild that, that reset section. Um, and the reset section tends to go bad because it's right around that battery, and if you've got any battery corrosion, that's like the first thing to get attacked. But but if that if the pin, and I forget, is it 39 or pin 40? I'm, I'm trying to remember, and I think it's 30. I don't know, dude. I, I can't mean, remember. I think it's pin 39. Yeah, it is pin 39. It's pin 39. I'm pretty darn sure. Pin 40 is ground. Schematics will say, like, reset or yeah, yeah, RST. The, the Marvin guide will tell you, too. And anyways, so that's how you can tell if the reset section is working. Um, and then, you know, if you're still not getting any flashes, you know, you could try some goofy, silly stuff like... Reseating the chips. Oh, also check all the, the the chips, particularly the ROMs. Make sure they don't they don't have any black legs. They got black legs. You either got to um, I usually pull them out and try and gently sand them and hope that you don't break any of the pins off in the process. Well, if you do, it's not the end of the world. You're gonna have to replace them anyways with EPROMs. But the problem is, is that when you replace them with EPROMs, then you got to rejumper the board, and that's a whole other subject that I don't even want to go to. So this is your first solid state game. Yeah, very first one. Okay. Picked so. it up real cheap. Fifty dollars uh, was sitting in someone's pole barn for about six years, and uh, and it's dry, but no, nothing lights up. And yeah, but the battery didn't leak, huh? The battery's starting to leak, but somebody had replaced the battery, put another one that's wired so it hangs out past the board. Oh, well, so it that's just good. Just drips onto the wood just a little. All right, cool. Well, so. that's the things I would do. Um, you know, I would check first. The Marvin guide is awesome. I mean, it really did help me start with my electronics repair. You know, I had a basic electronics background, schematic reading and whatnot, but 
troubleshooting a pinball machine, specifically the Bally sections and the William sections. Yeah. Those, those are awesome guides. There's a, there's a lot of help there on on how to uh, diagnose the flash sequence. But basically, you got to have that reset pin getting held high, um, or the or the thing is never going to even the, the CPU chip itself is never going to start reading programs from the ROMs and starting the whole boot sequence. Do you know what he means by high? Yep. Okay. Yeah, high is five have volts. A, a logic probe to do this? Can you no. do it with a with a multimeter? You can do it with a multimeter, a digital multimeter. Right. At some point, you're going to need to get a logic probe. They're cheap. They're only like twenty bucks. Uh, you should probably pick one up. But yeah, everything so far we talked about, you can do with a logic probe. Okay. Eric likes with a to, or, or with a meter. I'm sorry. Eric likes to get the logic probe out early. I I check my voltages first, then I pull the logic probe. Yeah, out. Okay. yeah. And what? And actually, I have this meter I bought. It's a ten ma. I got it from uh, MCM Electronics. It has a logic probe built right into it. Oh, man, do I use that thing all the time. I think it's great. Um, it's probably not as good. As, it isn't as good as a separate one, but it's nice to have everything in one little package. So, you know, I, I, I use mine all the time uh, in that you, mode. You definitely do want power boards go bad on them? Power boards? What do you mean the power boards? Yeah, where bridge rectifiers, where all the fuses are. Oh, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, if you're missing voltages... Or, you know, the, um, the bridges a lot of times go open. Um, if the, any of the fuses are blown, a bridge probably shorted. Um, the score display voltages are not done by a bridge. They're done by four 1N, 4004 diodes. A lot of times one of those will go out. Um, let's see, the connectors. Yeah, they're the always burned for the GI really bad on yeah, that. Yeah, uh, the connectors, there's three connectors on that board, one big long one and two smaller ones, and there's uh, one of the small ones and the big long one that has a couple pins on it that like to burn a lot. Yeah, there is one pin on the long yeah. one. And on Stearns, for some reason, there's two big resistors. There's a 600-ohm resistor and a 25-ohm resistor. Both are big sandstone resistors. For some reason, on Stearns, more than Bally's, those like to, to burn up for whatever reason. Um, yeah, but the, 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 that's a pretty easy board to, to repair, though. Uh, well, I thought that'd part. be a good uh, beginner's. Uh, but don't go PU fix it. One hundred and one. If you got all the voltages at the board, don't do anything just yet. You know, get your get your flash sequence running, then go back and do that. You okay. know, is what I would say. It's because most of the pins that burn on that board are really general illumination related. Um, though the one that supplies the twelve volts. DC, 12 to 14 volts DC up to the solenoid driver board. There's one pin on that really long one on the rectifier board that likes to burn. Um, that one you, you, you almost have, always have to repin. See, now with me, I never just leave it alone. And I know that I take a different approach, but if, if you have a game that you get running, get working, and you know you got a burn connector here or there, I never go back and fix it. <laughs> Oh, that's, really? why t- that's why I take care of it right up front. Oh, you see, I'll always go back and fix it. You know, it's probably a good idea to take care of that stuff up front, but I, I always kind of look at that MPU board thing. If you got all your voltages, you know, working on the MPU board, that flash sequence is definitely going to be the most challenging. So the way what I usually do is I, I, I try and 
to take a bite out of that sandwich, a little bite, and, and, and you chew on it for a little while and you get frustrated, then I go back and do the connectors because I know the connectors are, are going to be easy and pretty straightforward. And then I'll go back and take another bite out of that MPU sandwich and chew on it some more, get frustrated, maybe I'll go back and work on something else, work on the high voltage section. Maybe that needs rebuilt. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like I use them for distractions. You know, when you, when, because sometimes that getting those, uh, all the LED flashes going on the MPU board, it, it's, it's going to be the most challenging part of fixing that game. You know, usually it is, at least. Similar is on an EM, where you would go through and check all the switches. Uh, do you think that, uh, reflowing connectors on boards is similar to just, is it best to go through and just redo them? Uh, the solenoid driver board will definitely have some cracked pins, but they're not, you see, all the all the stuff we're talking about is all related to the what's known as the .100 inch pins, which are the smaller connectors. Those usually don't crack. It's the larger .156 inch pins that crack, and all those are are basically uh, the voltage sinks for each one of the solenoids. So if you got a solenoid that doesn't work, sometimes it's a cracked pin on the solenoid driver board. I mean, I wouldn't go through and just wholesale reflow everything. I I, I like to actually look at them and 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 see if they're cracked, and then reflow them. Because, believe me, um, sometimes the enemy of good is better. I've seen people that have reflowed pins, and they accidentally bridge two pins together, and it causes a whole other set of problems. You know, so if they don't need resolder, don't resolder them. And you'll see the cracks. It's okay, always the good. pins on the edges of the connector, you know, the, the outside pins. Because, like, yeah, those are the ones that flex the most when the plug is pushed on and removed. They'll look like a little circle around the actual pin itself. Right, in I'm the sorry. meniscus of the solder, you'll see like a little circle, which is the crack. Where it cracked all the way around the pin. Right. And you, if you even see it just starting, to, just starting, then, yeah, you, you reflow that. Just be careful you don't bridge two pins. <laughs> That's yeah, well, I've got a new Weller that I'm going to try out. So. Believe me, everybody's done that bridging of pins, trust me. So. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, well good luck to you. Guys. All right. Thanks. Take care. That's a that's a good uh, a good thing a good challenge for that guy, you know, going to an EM to solid state. That's fun. Eric's got to go the other way. We're gonna he's got to go from solid state to EM. I started with two EMs. I had a flying carpet and a hot shot, the two player EM. Yeah, and what happened? Uh, I donated the hot shot to my nephew's school in Pennsylvania and gave them the flying carpet. All right, well, that's another edition of the podcast here with me, myself, Shaggy, and Eric May. We hope you enjoyed the show, but, uh, you know, we had fun with it, you know, and uh, you got anything to add, Eric, anything to throw out there? I'm going to dread reading group now when they heard the rest of the story. About your high-speed playfield fiasco? Yeah. Hopefully nobody was listening. Whoops. Yeah, whoops. All right, well, that's it today from TopCast. We hope to hear you again.